the letter J. He is the jubbly Paul Gannon. And he is the jack-tating Damien St. John. And this is a jigsaw word-based podcast called The Fictionary. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, many, many returns. At least seven returns. At least seven. Because they go, I wish you many happy returns. Well, how many? Like, One's how, enough, right? How many? Yeah. Just get into double figures. Like when you go to Harvester and you order onion rings, they give you two just so they hit the plural. Yeah. Can know? I have many happy yeah. onion rings, please? I wish you minimum seven. Well, you call me today jack-tating. Yeah, it's a nice word, what isn't is it? What is jack-tating? Jack-tating is a noun. It's uh, from the 17th century Latin, jack-tatio, to utter publicly, but now it's devolved. Uh, it, well, I could say it's devolved, but it's evolved as well to me in the act of boasting or bragging so you think i'm a boaster and a bragger i'd like to think all i, I did was so. tell you i had a playstation 4 for christmas i mean that's... oh yeah that just santa happened to bring you what did i get 15 pound voucher to spend where on a nintendo game that i did well there you go then hey i once speaking of vouchers i once got 35 pounds in virgin megastores vouchers yeah because i saved my neighbor's house from burning down do i've been carrying this with me for a long time <laughs> do you think that's fair remuneration it's surprising in terms of I wouldn't have expected that as a reward, yeah. but you could have got no reward at all. So, you know, get what you're given. Yeah, they could have been completely selfish. Oh, you jack-tating fool, you. Uh, I called you jubbly. I know. Which meaning of jubbly do you think? I'm going to go with the portly one, where <laughs> I have a bit of a wobbly belly. Well, that is true. It could, re- could refer to your... Don't stare at it when you t- look at it. You know, don't, don't, don't talk about it and look it, at it in the eye. It's hypnotic. It's your, not. Your stomach girth is hy- hypnotic. It's not. Uh, jubbly is a playground slang for breasts. Oh. Although it started life as a triangular frozen ice lolly in the 1950s. And they still exist. You can still get jubblies. Two triangles at odds with each other. Yeah. And it's like squeezy shape so you can squeeze it from the bottom and yeah. suck it. That's the jubbly. That's mm. where it started from. It then was revived in the 1980s by John Sullivan for his Dellboy character in Only Fools and Horses, who used lovely jubbly That's right. as a jocular exclamation, meaning excellent, brilliant, great. You can also use those to describe breasts. And I call this the uh, Jigsaw Podcast. Question for you, Paul Gannon. Yeah. Who invented the jigsaw? The jigsaw was invented by Jesus Christ in 02 BC. Is incorrect. Um, oh, the jigsaw commercialised in terms of so when it did it become mass popular yeah. by a British man, yes, Britannia rules the waves Good. and puzzles. John Spilsbury, a London cartographer and engraver who in 1766 stuck a world map onto a bit of wood, cut out the countries and went, I think I created a jigsaw. Wow. And it got the name jigsaw because, of course, the saw that you used to cut it yeah. was a jigsaw. But where did that get this phrase from? Where did the jigsaw get its name from? It, uh, to jig... Because it judders yeah. and saw, because it's a saw. Okay, so where the word jig come from, do you think? Where does that kind of... I mean, we're going back down further beyond the apple I'm gonna have to cart. Put, I'm going to have to put you on hold while I reset. <laughs> it's all right, it's um, all right. I'm being facetious. But jigs- so jigsaws don't really have a name. They're named after something else. You know how we look at the map and we go, oh, Italy's the boot. Mm. That's widely thought to be where all that came from. So when you had these pictures of the, all the world, you would go, where's the boot? Well, that's Italy, obviously. Oh, so is this one of the jigsaw world like indiscriminately cut up? It was more like he cut carefully around Italy and you kind of had to slip it into the slots and things like that. So it all fitted together on a kind of country by country basis. So that's why we know Ireland as the koala bear. If you look closely at Pakistan, it is a glittery bird. Mm. Jordan looks like a bride rushing to her wedding. And Latvia, it is claimed, looks like the head of a vulture. Australia is a big fat Millennium Falcon. (laughs) So there you go, the creator of the jigsaw, John Spilsbury. 
So this is the Thictionary, a weekly word-based podcast. This week we are doing the letter J. Feel free to join in on Twitter. You can search for us there. The hashtag is uh, Thictionary. Our address is at ThickPodcast. You suggest the word and we'll do the homework. Right, let's crack on with this week's J letters. Here we go. My first one for you, Paul Gannon, is jalapeno. Oh, jalapeno. Technically a fruit in as much as it it grows not out of the ground, but more on the vine. Uh, Spanish for jalapa, which is a town in Mexico where they were first uh, grown. Jalapa then means water palace. So if you're having a jalapeno, you're eating a water palace. Uh, And yet anyone who's ever had one will know that that is not what you get the sensation of in your mouth. That is exactly what you want in front of you when you've had a very hot jalapeno. Or maybe a nice uh, uh, lassie, you know, a nice... uh, A dog... No, no, you know, the lovely Who Indian drink. Who A lassie? <laughs> yeah, the, have you never had one? No, I think we need to... Well, that Can I like, save that for L? I think you should. All right, I'll if, save L because I like lassies. If we make it that far. And the measurement for jalapenos in terms of the heat is what, yeah. do you know? Is it Krypton's? Krypton's is close. Scoville. Oh, as in Philip. Yeah, Philip Scoville. Because um, <laughs> he knows how hot things are. The world's hottest jalapeno is the Carolina Reaper. It measures 2.2... Million Scovilles. Million, 2.2 million Philip Scovilles. All right, okay. That's how so hot it is. That's a very impressive number, but how does it, say, relate to a normal kind of on a pizza jalapeno? How many millions of or well, not? Let's, should we just take the, 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 the tricolor pepper that you get in the supermarket? Yeah. The red, the orange, and the green. Mm-hmm. That is like way down, like that, zero. Yeah. The, I think 10,000 is the alkaline lowest. alkaline almost yeah. of it all. Because And the way that you do it is you take, take a pepper in your hand, and uh, the more kind of scars it's got, or corking, tells you how hot it is. So basically, the more it looks like a shriveled ball bag, the hotter it's going to be. <laughs> and therefore, the less likely you are to want to put it in your mouth, if you are of a certain persuasion. So that is also interesting information about food and a night out at a gay bar. Yeah, of course. Hey, let me see your Philip Scoville. <laughs> They're hot. So that is the potted history of the jalapeno, the jalapeno, but definitely not the jalapeno. Right, my word today is a lovely little word. I love these kind of words. Uh, it's the word jackanape. You get great words. Do you think? Yeah. Because I really like I like these kind of archaic, unused, fun little words. Jackanape is uh, originated in the 1450s. It basically means impotent child or conceited fellow. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely little noun. And I did the research of this, and it's a strange... Where do you think the word jackanape came from in terms of relation to like conceitment or being impotent? Scotland. No. They're the most impudent of all. No, it's one of these weird words where its kind of history grew uh, as its word was used in more kind Jacan- of various... Ah, I know. It was originally pronounced as Jackanape. So I'm just going to read out what I wrote down here. So yeah. Jackanapes was originally known as the monkeys on a leash, which had been tamed for entertainment. Because at the time, monkeys at that time were a common import from Naples. And the word Jack in itself was a slang that originated to just mean a kind of general name for a man, which is why a lot of fairy stories had the phrases like Jack and the Beanstalk or Jack the Giant Killer. Yeah. Like, man. So they kind of, it was almost a slightly racist term to call these monkeys men from Naples. So it was kind of like a soft slur that that monkey is a Jack of Naples. I okay? know how they feel. And that's yeah. how that that word originally started, you know, becoming popular. However, yeah. why it became this kind of word to mean conceitment was when um, in the 15th century, he was a snobbish first Duke of Suffolk. His name was William de la Pole. William the Pole? Yeah, William the Pole. Dick Pole. 
Yes. <laughs> and he was one of these new uh, kind of nouveau riche dukes and nobles who were coming out from the merchant classes at yeah. that time. And so he put together a coat of arms. Yeah. And so the coat of arms he drew up involved having this kind of a... Um, Dick pole. No, that would have been a very <laughs> different jack and ape if you wanted to use that one. But he used a, uh, a motif of a chain and a collar that was attached to itself. And oh. people said, like a monkey, yeah. you, you've done it on, a, on your coat yeah. of arms. You've put a little chain and a leash and a collar uh, like a monkey you dick and that was kind of that was that was kind of the public outcry to yeah. his design most people were looking at this low this uh, family shield and going oh look at this old jack and apes look at that little snobby little douchebag eh? yeah and so that's how the term became known for like any stuck-up snob or conceited oh, right. fellow because it was associated with this guy who uh, associated himself with a, with a dancing monkey we've all been there so I just put it into context. Bernard Cribbin, star of Jack and Ori, is quite the Jack and Ape, and that comes from My Sad Life, Chapter 4 by Andy Crane. I will look that up uh, right next to his work, uh, my broom cupboard uh, <laughs> memoirs. Right, so here we go. I want the specific definition mm-hmm. of what you think jet lag is. We all know what jet lag is being tired after a very long journey. Um, but this is this is this is where I think you're going to pull a bit of a uh, Kaiser Soze no, on me. It's going to be a horrible twist in the tale. So it's just the lag you get from being on a jet. Sort of, but not really. Uh, Jet lag is also known as desynchronosis, a recognised sleep disorder that occurs when you mess with your circadian rhythm. Body clock. Yeah, during rapid long-distance transmeridian travel on a high-speed craft. When you cross time zones. Yeah, you can see why they shortened it. (laughs) Uh, Did you know, though, jet lag less common on propeller planes and slow trains? So even if you took, if you did like a Trans-Siberian Railway, yeah. or you went from coast to coast in America, you'd, you're less likely to suffer from jet lag on a train. Yeah, uh, You can also suffer from double desynchronosis, uh, which is when you suffer no sleep deprivation, but things like your muscles, liver, lungs and organs do. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I can't come out. I know I've flown all the way to New York, but my liver is still asleep. It's oh. just, it's not, po- one, one of my lungs works, but the other one. I thought no. that was when you go to a strip club after 2am in the morning, you get double D. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Can you, question, can you die of jet lag? I'm going to say yeah, because you can pretty much die of anything if you put your mind to it. Is correct. Water, you can die of drinking water. Uh, yes, because when you are travelling at these uh, sort of high speeds, you increase the risk of a heart attack and it messes, oh, wow. with, messes with your rhythm. So uh, most common uh, cause of death on planes, heart attack. How is Richard Attenborough not dead then? Or David Attenborough? Which one's the one who goes hunting for monkeys? It's David Attenborough, isn't it? Richard Attenborough's the one who breeds dinosaurs. I'm just letting you work this one out. Uh, I think it's David Which Attenborough. Which one was in Jurassic Park? Yeah, Richard Attenborough <laughs> is uh, the actor because he did Brighton Rock. Yeah, okay, it's right. David Attenborough. Yeah, how come he's still alive then because he does a vast amount of travelling? They have a double and they do a bit of photoshopping uh, on him. Uh, oh, so he's in a green screen. Yeah, he's not... He's. I mean... Uh, David Attenborough's been dead for 10 years. Don't say that. We just don't know. All this stuff was filmed ages ago. Or maybe Richard Atten was the one who was alive and he had to green screen a face onto his brother. Uh, Qantas Airlines think they've made an Airbus which uh, can cure, in fact, stop jet lag. Ooh. Uh, due to LED lights uh, in the cabin and a bit more room uh, and a bit more moisture, which kind of keeps everything moving. Yeah, because there's an interesting story about that. Since they quit um, uh, smoking on planes, yep. the air quality on planes is now actually worse than it was before smoking came in. Oh, because wow. when they had people smoking on planes, yeah. the story was, was that not the story, the fact was that they had to pump in fresh oxygen. Yeah. And um, when they banned that, they didn't have to put those fresh oxygen things, so they would recycle the air. Yep. So now when you're on a plane, you're going to get recycled air that's been in the cabin for hours upon hours. Yeah. Uh, whereas when it was smoking, they had to actually put fresh oxygen in. You know your stuff.
Fun I fact. have my little moments. And there you go. There that, you go. That is a brief potted history of the jet lag. So my second word today is a word I love. It's quite a modern word. It's called jargonaut. Not juggernaut. No, jargonaut. Uh, so someone that is know- somebody that knows no jargon. No, therefore it's... they are jargon zero. No, because it's it, it, no. You've got the wrong end of the stick. It is a man or woman who uses jargon excessively. It's combined of the two words, jargon, uh, meaning uh, the French word jargon to chatter, talk, it's language, yeah. or uh, argonaut, which is an adventurer on, an, on a dangerous but rewarding quest. Or actually, the word argonaut also relates to an octopus. Uh, there you go. It's um, difficult. Uh, so the word what, about, jar- what about a jargon octopus? I'm, I'm sure you can get an octopus that has a lot of blue sky thinking comments uh, and spitballing. They don't talk, do they? Octopuses? No, but they're very smart. Very smart. How do you know if they don't talk? How do you know they want to talk? Sometimes talk is the language of fools. You can't possibly measure the intelligence of an animal if you cannot communicate with it. I think so. I think language Basic responsiveness you can do. Will I throw something? Will they fetch it? Yes. If I put food in a bowl, will they eat it? Yes. Are they sitting there working out Pythagoras' (laughs) theorem and possibly why Celebrity Big Brother is still on TV after all these years? No, that's a mystery no one's no. going to solve. Not even the smartest of octopods. So, do you have any examples of jargon? Not well, it was ism? interesting because I went onto this website called The Office Life mm-hmm. and they had a whole section of the website that called Business Jargon Dictionary. So I thought I'd double down and I went for a load of J-based uh, jargon. Sc- yeah, yeah, jargon. So I'll just read a few of them out. Uh, so obviously jargonauts there. Yeah. What do you think J-D-I is? L- lots of use in the boardroom, this, the word J-D-I. Just don't involve. Almost. <laughs> I think that's common. Almost, though. It's just do it. Someone that the boss believes, you know, JDI. Yeah. You can JDI. Yeah, yeah JDI. I brilliant. hate that. Yeah. Um, what is a... Okay, so what is a job lock? That is when you have no career prospects and you're kind of... You're stuck in your job. Almost. Employees well, that want to leave their job but don't want to lose the benefits. Yeah, true. There's a lot of people in the civil service... And the NHS. Yeah, basically. People who do a very good job and yeah. aren't given the props for it. Um, so what do you think job fuscation is? Oh, that's when you love your job so much you fuscate it every morning. No. It's a job that you make appear more complex so your boss and other employees think you're the only person who can do it, therefore making yourself important to that job. There's a lot of people that do that in the civil service in the NHS. <laughs> yeah, like brain surgeons. People like that who you know go, no one can do this. Uh, what, what do you think is... Um, uh, a Johnny come lately. Uh, somebody like me who just turns up whenever they want. Pretty much. It's a late entrance into a particular market. Yep. And I'm trying to think of a really good one to end with. All right, okay. This is a phrase not too dissimilar to jump uh, to nuke the fridge or jump yep. the shark. This is a business term called jump the couch. All oh, right. That's when you love your job so much, you pretend you're Tom Cruise on Oprah. <laughs> that is where it originates from, though. <laughs> it is. It? It's when an unpredictable or strange behaviour has a negative impact on one's reputation. I'm having that. So, yeah, if you've got any more examples of jargonautism uh, or just general jargon, then feel free to send it to us on Twitter, at Thick Podcast. Time now for the weekly Word Workout, where I anagramize a certain word... In this case, it is a five, six, nine, nine, eleven letter J word. Is it one word or one of your funny little uh, phrases? Okay, well, it's two words. Oh. And uh, Paul has until the end of the podcast to unscramble it. You also have uh, the same amount of time. So your word now is. Yeah. Okay, cheap Joe. J O. Okay, okay, A Y. Cheap, C H E A P. Joe, J O. Okay, cheap Joe. 
And it's two words. You've got till the end of the podcast to uh, work it out. Good luck. Time now for this week's dirty word on the fictionary. Letter J. Jackintosh. Jackintosh. Yeah, Jackintosh. Right. So, is this... Can I take a guess? Yeah, of course. Is this when a coat you buy that's big enough for you to masturbate in without <laughs> someone noticing? Uh, no! It's a great phrase. I like that. Is that th- all, all of a sudden, I'm imagining you walking around Debenhams. Oh, you, in the on, yeah, you imagine me doing this. Go on. <laughs> you imagine me wearing a big coat. It's horrible. Jacket it's... it in the uh, perfume store area of Debenhams. Jackintosh is a bit uh, more common than that. Okay. Uh, is it someone who uses the Apple Mac for masturbation? Uh, more or less. A computer used exclusively for porn. We've all got one. <laughs> That's why I'm thankful for the tablet. Throw out your old Sunday afternoon hobby, walking around Debenhams in your dad's big coat. Don't need it. Move over to this. Jackintosh, yeah, is a, an urban slang term for watching uh, filth on your education device. Mm. Uh, but it was first used in 1985 to describe the Atari ST. The Atari ST was a computer produced under the eye of Jack Trammell, who bought Atari from Warner a year earlier. His creation was said to so closely resemble that of the Macintosh Plus that it was given the nickname the Jackintosh. Oh, okay. Uh, Spare a thought for Jack Daniel Taylor, who owns a company called Jack & Co, who joined Twitter in 2008 before the phrase Jackintosh... (laughs) Now that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Before the phrase Jackintosh was sexually recoined. His Twitter handle, at Jackintosh. So there you go. Dirty word for this week, Jackintosh. And we didn't give you long to do the word workout, maybe a couple of minutes. Let's find out how you got on. 30 seconds to unscramble the following word. Uh, Okay, Cheap Joe starts now. Okay, Cheap Joe. Okay, Cheap Joe. Mm. And I wonder if Paul Gannon has used this. It's a phrase. It's two words beginning with J. Has used this before. If he hasn't used it, I would say that he knows exactly what it means once he finds out. Yeah. Okay, Cheap Joe. Ten seconds. Mm. Five. Strap in the Here Come the Timpani. Oh. Okay, Cheap Joe. I, I thought it might have been uh, word joke something. That's about as far as I got. Half a nugget for you. Half a chicken nugget. Uh, okay, Cheap Joe. Joke poach. Oh. To joke poach is to steal someone's comedy material and perform it as your own. How dare you? I Anyone who's ever seen my stand-up set will know that no one would dare have that stolen from them because it's so poor. No one's seen your material, so then no one's been able to steal it. That's a good point. But if they could well. see it, if they did see it, then they did. I keep my material offline. That way it's always fresh. Uh, that's part of the reason why I don't like jokes. Because you can accuse someone of joke poaching... But mm-hmm. you, can't, you don't accuse someone of thought poaching. Actually, if you just go on and you just talk, and you're entertaining and you're educating and you're humorous, yeah, no but, one can say, ah, uh, somebody had that, somebody's already thought of that. Somebody, uh, somebody's definitely had that sentence structure before. Yeah, Billy Conley. I also had a rough <laughs> upbringing in Glasgow and had, you know, abuse happen to me. That happened to me too, Mr. Conley. I got a couple of uh, poached jokes from the internet. What did the chicken say to the librarian? I don't know. Buck, buck, buck. Okay. Please don't be the next one, a frog. Why did the egg cross the road? To join the chicken. To get to the shell garage. Right. Knock, knock. Go on. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go on. I forgot. I forgot that was the what rule of the want? joke. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Omelette. Omelette who? Do you really think an omelette possesses the wrist strength, let alone the wrist to knock on a door? You idiot. 
Oh, it's one of those jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so there you go, your word workout for this week. Okay, Cheap Joe is Joke Poach. And we're at the end of the Fictionary this week. It's been a proper roller coaster ride. Uh, in fact, I would go as far as to say as it has been jazzy. And I consider this show jolly. It's even been Junkman, who is a villain from the Mega Man video game series. A 1982 movie starring Christopher Stone, mm. who later went on to appear in Dallas, the A-Team, TJ Hooker, MacGyver, Murder, She Wrote, Airwolf, Dukes of Hazard, and Stephen King's Cujo. Oh. And Junkman, also an American term to describe what we know as the Rag and Bone Man. Uh, the version of Steptoe and Son mm-hmm. in America is called Sanford and Son, listed in Time magazine as one of their 100 greatest TV shows of all time. Oh. So we will never be up there. Time magazine will never review us. We just don't know. But uh, thank you for listening anyway. Next time we tackle the letter K for karate. Um, follow us on Twitter at Thick Podcast to join in. You suggest the word and we'll do the homework. Uh, until then, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>